I want to talk to you about a principle of the Bible this morning. If you want more of God, you get more. If you want less, you get less. That's a principle. I think everybody needs to know it. Because sometimes people take God for granted and almost arrogantly feel like he's responsible to reveal himself to them. I've had people tell me if God would come and appear to me, I'd believe. The truth is you wouldn't. If you won't believe Moses and the prophets, you wouldn't believe the one you knew, that you knew, closely knew, was raised from the dead. Now you say, I don't, I don't, I don't accept that. Well, those are Jesus' words. You can argue with him when you see him. The principle stated is, want more, get more, want less, get less. Isaiah chapter 44, I'm reading through the book of, I've read through, the book of Isaiah, Jeremiah, Lamentations, and Ezekiel. And I'm going to tell you, those are tough four books. I'm ending my year of Bible reading on those four books. So, um, I mean, they're denunciatory, uh, judgmental books on the sin of Israel and their betrayal of, of God who loved them and has nurtured them and shepherded them. And whatever he did, no matter how he played, they wouldn't dance. No matter how what form he came to them, they wouldn't obey. Now, there were some, of course, that did. There was always and ha always has been and will be a remnant, the Bible calls it, a small group that believes. Or, amen, amen. So I'm going to start reading a little bit here in, in the 44th chapter of Isaiah. And where I, what I see in this chapter, and as I was reading down through it, was a principle that is, is both Old Testament and New Testament that all of us need to have a clear grip on. He's talking about the craziness of idolatry. That's what he's talking about. In Isaiah 44, 10 through 20, he's talking about the insanity of people making idols, whether they be of silver or of gold or of a metal or of stainless steel or of wood or of stone or however they want to make them. Whatever the idol is, even if it's an invisible idol, it's something they worship is just is more intangible. How crazy it is. In this case, they were making tangible, visible idols, and they were bowing down. And you may say, because you're from America, you may say, well, people don't do that anymore. Go to India. India has somewhere around 1.3 billion people. We only have 300, a lousy 350 million people. They're four times almost bigger than we are. There are there's idolatry in the world today. It's alive and well in the world today. I hate to say it, but there's a large denomination called the Universal Church, called the Catholic Church, who has uh, images and stuff that people will go and pray to, kiss you in their homes. I've been to many, many homes with images of Mary where they burn candles and things. And people say, well, that doesn't mean anything. Well, let me tell you, have you ever read the Ten Commandments? 
Jesus said, don't make any graven image at all. Don't do it. That's right. And so we see here, I'm just going to pick it up in verse, oh, I don't know, verse 14. It's talking about a man. He heweth him down cedars. It's about a man doing They're going out in the woods and finding a tree, taking the cypress tree, which, by the way, fabulous, and the oak which he strengthens for himself among the trees of the forest. He planteth an ash, and the, and the rain doth nourish it. Then shall it be for a man to burn, for he shall take thereof and warm himself. Yea, he kindleth it. Without electricity, brother, you need wood. And he baketh bread. Yea, he maketh a god, and worshipeth it, and maketh a graven image, and falleth down thereto. He burneth part of this wood thereof in the fire, and with part thereof he eateth flesh, so he cooks his food with it. He roasteth, roast, and, he, and is satisfied, yea, he warmeth himself, and say, Aha, I, I am warm, I've seen the fire. And the residue thereof he maketh a god. Even his graven image, he falleth down unto it, and worshipeth it, and prayeth unto it, and saith, Deliver me, for thou art my God. Verse 18 is a key verse, verse 18 and 20. They have not known nor understood. Why? For he has shut their eyes. Who's he? God. That they cannot see in their hearts that they cannot understand. And none considereth in his heart, neither is there knowledge nor understanding to say, I have burned part of it in the fire. Yea, I have baked bread upon the coals with it, or thereof. I have roasted flesh, I have eaten it. I shall make the residue thereof an abomination, or an idol, as it were. Shall I fall down to the stock of a tree? He feedeth on ashes, and a deceived heart hath turned him aside, for he cannot deliver his soul, nor say, Is there not a lie in my right hand? I believe God is highly insulted when he gave his only begotten son for our sins, who was a sinless son of God, Jesus Christ, the son of the living God, who died upon the old rugged cross, paid for our sins, was resurrected the third day for our justification, which sealed him among all those people out there that say, I'm the Christ, including David Koresh and Jim Jones, which I both heard on tapes say they were the Christ, and with so many hundreds after Jesus that have said, I'm the Christ, I'm the Christ, I'm the Christ, uh, including Muhammad and all the rest of How do we know who the Christ is? He's the one that was resurrected. It is a distinguishing difference. He's the one that's resurrected. Through Jesus Christ and by Jesus Christ, he had abolished death, conquered death, and destroyed the power of the devil. And paid for our sins in full. How do we receive that gift? Which, by the way, is presented, by the way, as a gift. And, and, and because salvation is presented to us as a gift, and there's a couple of places where that's found in the Bible, Romans 6.20 Three is one of them, and in some other places that we get the gift of eternal life. And the Bible says in, in Romans 11, I think it's 29, the gifts and callings of God are without repentance. Well, let, me, let me try to put something in your head here. 
If salvation is a gift and you receive it as a gift, and the Bible says the gifts and calling of God are without repentance, God is not going to give you that gift and take it away from you. I'm basing that not on my opinion on what the Bible says. And because we receive it as a gift, it's sure to us. God has feelings. I found by reading through the Bible that he has feelings. He grieves. God grieves. It grieves him. He saw the wickedness of man was great in the earth. And every thought and imagination of the heart was only evil continually. And he says, it's grieved me in my heart that I made man. That was the flood. And he commissioned Noah to begin building a boat and a ship, the first one fire probably ever made. And uh, not a little one either, by the way. Ooh, mama. Over 500 feet long. And made, a, made a, what we would call a barge. The shape of the ark is a perfect shape of a barge. Most stable possible thing you could put on the ocean. And he said, you're going to make that. In 120 years, he preached the whole time he was making it. Every time he his hammer hit a nail, it was, a, it was a testimony against the unbelieving world that he lived in. And he and eight people were saved. It grieved God that he made man because of their unbelief. It, God gets angry. Ooh, God gets angry. The Bible talks a lot about his wrath. God gets sad. God can be delighted. The Bible said the very prayer of the righteous is a delight to God. You, don't, you may not realize, but when you pray and ask God for things and, and go to him, it delights him to do it. Now, what father is there among us that has a child that doesn't delight when your child needs you? Don't you delight when you're able to, with something good, like a snicker bar? No, no, but something good. You give your child that they, they, they're, they're good. You can help them. Man, it's the beautiful thing about raising children is to help them with good things. My son, I taught him how to lay, and to some degree taught him how to lay carpet and taught him how to do floor covering. He's never been able to get out of it. He tried, but he couldn't get out of it. My dad taught me before him. I did get out of it. Kind of. But I haven't gotten on my knees. God laughs. The Bible says God laughs. God desires things. God has given us life, our being, our provisions. He's given us gifts. He's given us intelligence and an ability to have cognizance or perceptions. He's revealed himself through the creation that he's made, which is so, so, so complex, so strong and yet so delicate, so in some ways ugly and so beautiful. His written word has told us about him. His, our conscience has told us about him. The living word, Jesus Christ, is the best testimony ever sent to us. And then the, the uh, Holy Spirit, of course indwelling every believer, and by the way, convicting even unbelievers. 
of sin, of righteousness, and of judgment. The Bible says that he convicts the whole world of sin, of righteousness, and of judgment. That's the Holy Spirit. There's five major testimonies God has placed for you and for me. What an insult when men turn from what he has made and call it their God. What an insult it is to God that, he, that a tree which God made, they, they, they end up fashioning in a certain way and, and, bow, and covering it with gold and calling it God. What is an idol? It's something that substitutes for God. That's what it is. There's intangible idols. Isaiah 44 does, uh, does not deal with the intangible idols there. It deals with the tangible, visible idols. But there are lots of intangible. Anything that substitutes for God is an idol, but it's for you and me. You say, I don't need God. Well, who do you need? Whatever that is, that's an idol. Because whether you know it or not, you need God, desperately need God. In fact, I can say without, without question that you wouldn't be here without God. And you wouldn't, you right now, your heart's beating and, and it's, it's creating what they call blood pressure. And that pressure uh, goes uh, in through your whole vascular system and you've got little capillaries, really little, one cell their one cell, one red blood cell goes down through them capillaries and they're scattered all throughout your body, but especially in your brain and, and your heart is beating against them and pushing them capillaries through that vein and, and, and through those little, putting the blood through your capillaries. That's what I meant to say. Maybe mine's not working too good. I don't know. But pushing blood through those capillaries and, 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 and pushing against your arteries and pushing against your veins and it's only by the very grace of God that one of them doesn't break. God loves you and has given himself for you. But when people make up theories of origins that are so far-fetched, all I can say is you have to have a phenomenal amount of wild, crazy faith to believe in evolution. That contradicts science. And all the all that we observe that and they make they make man an animal like all the other animals. They take away his dignity. They take away his his image. The Bible says God breathed in us the very his very image and made us different from everything else he made. They replace God with survival of the fittest. That takes a caring and personal, loving creator and replaces him with random selection. How do you like that? You want to know why there's so many mass shootings right now? Why there's so much craziness going on? Because for 40 years we've told people there's no penalty. There's no creator. You're just an animal. And as you were before you were born, you will go back to being and the people that you shoot, all you're doing is shortening their misery. And so they go and they do it. They go and they do it. Evolution has been one of the worst things that ever come up against God. And has caused men to be idolatrous with it. Our text shows how God reacts to the behavior what does God do when people say, I don't want to believe in a creation? 
I don't want to believe in it. I want to believe that somehow an alien from another planet came and dropped a seed, you know, dropped us off here. I, I want to believe that uh, somehow the conditions were just perfect in, in primordial mud and ooh and goo and the temperature was right and the acidic was right and the amino acids got right and everything just lined up right and, and there was some sort of a little creature came out of that mud and swam around for a while and, and, and he grew fins and, 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 and uh, then eventually one day he was thrown up on land and his fins fell off and he grew some legs and he walked a little bit around and pretty soon he grew a tail and he began to climb trees and go from tree to tree and one day he was going from tree to tree and he, he, he hit a limb and his tail broke off. He hit the ground, stood up, went across the street, got him a suit of clothes and became a professor in a university. <laughs> you got to have some faith to believe in evolution, brother. Nothing you see supports it. But everything you see, supports that there was an intelligent creator. But people choose to deny what they see. And what this whole sermon's about is what God does to people when they cognizantly turn away from what they know to be true. God causes them to believe their own lies. He causes them to believe the lie. Romans chapter 1 tells it about as good as you can tell it. They, grew, they knew God, they glorified him not as God. Came vain in their own imaginations and their foolish heart was darkened. There are professors in universities across America that cannot believe because they have been darkened by their own rejection from God. God says, you don't want me, you don't get me. And, and Christian, the degree that you want him is the degree that he'll, he'll, he'll show himself to you. The other day, in, in communion with God, I said, God, I want more of you. I want more of you. He whispered back, he says, seek me more. I go, oh... Oh, seek me more. And so I've made a covenant. I'm beginning to seek God more than I've been. I want to seek God more in areas in my life that I can do it. I can do more. I'm not talking about work type more, but seeking God more. Brother, Corey, when you begin to memorize them verses, what do you think, how do you think God takes that? You want to know him more. Oh, well, you want to know him more. He's going to let you know him more. But let's say your wife doesn't want to memorize them. I'm just kidding. But let's say, well, I don't want to memorize verses. You don't want to know? You're going to know less. This is no neutral. You don't shift this thing in neutral and say, I think I'm just going to coast to the kingdom. This thing about God is you get in, you get in the game, brother, and go for him, and he says, they that diligently seek me, they'll find me. But brother, those who don't want to know him, he says, I'm going to give you what you want. You're not going to find me. You don't believe me? Read Romans 1. Romans 1 says, 
They didn't want him, so he gave them up to their own lust. And, and then it says again in verse 26, I think it says that he gave them up. And then verse 28, it says he gave them up. And I, I believe verse 32, it says he gave them over. To what? A reprobate mind. What is a reprobate mind? That's a mind that God never enters in. The thought of God never enters in. They don't believe there's a God. They can't be convinced there's a God because they're blinded by God himself. That's the principle here. That's exactly what he said in Isaiah 44 here. He said, these people who have rejected my test, these five testimonies and, and these other things, and I'll tell you what, I'm just going to let them they're going to build these things. And you, you know, you may say in America, because we're, how can people worship these idols? Well, it's because they've been given over to it. It's because it's what they wanted. It was what they wanted. He sent them delusion. You say, is that the first? No. Let me say this. It's God's method. The Bible says in the tribulation period, the rapture is going to happen. The Antichrist is going to be revealed. The dragon is going to give power to the beast. and He's going to deceive the world. And the Bible says he's going to tell the lie. The lie. The lie. Not a lie. The lie. And what is the lie? That he's God. 2 Thessalonians chapter 2 says he puts himself up as God. I think it could be something like, you know, I'm the outer space person that dropped you folks off. All of you were my children. And he's going to have certain technological things and certain miraculous things that he does that he's going to convince them with. But here's the crazy part, but the biblically consistent part of this. The Bible says that God sends them strong delusion, that they believe the lie. It's not Satan causing them to believe the lie. Satan's telling the lie. Satan's not causing them to believe it. He's just telling them, this guy, you know, the dragon giving power to the beast, this guy is God, and he's going to give, and the false prophet's going to call lightning down in the presence of people and do under amazing other miraculous things. Even to the point they're going to say the beast was somehow resurrected. He had a wound unto death that was healed. And somehow that's going to be like a, a resurrection sign. And so he's going to say, look, I was dead. And I just say, if John F. Kennedy came back, people would be, what? I saw the autopsy report and pictures of John F. Kennedy. Half his brain was gone, gone, gone. But if John F. Kennedy walked around and says, I've been resurrected, it would, it would wow the world especially if it was God that sent a strong delusion to believe it. Because if God wants you to believe something, and he sends strong delusions, you believe it, you're going to believe it. You believe that? I believe it. Because the Bible says it. So it's, it's not even uncommon for God to use this methodology. So the principle is, react to the light that you have been given. And God will give you more light. You got some understanding of God? Seek more. You have read some of the Bible? Read it all. Make some commitments with God. Say, God, I want to memorize a certain amount of Scripture. I want to read your word. I want to seek your face. And the, and the principle is, if you'll seek me, you'll find me. 
He'll open himself up to you. He'll let you see him. You say, Brother Bill, I've been getting cold lately. I've been just getting cold, and my faith has been getting weak. That's because you backed off. Look at your life and, didn't, and, and tell me you haven't backed off. And when you back off, I mean, what happens when you, is it not similar to what happens in a marriage? Oh, now this, what I'm getting ready to say is really expensive and valuable. But for you, it's free. Keep, uh, man, I'm going to talk to all you men. Married men, married men and men that want to be married. Keep winning what you won. Keep winning what you won. You got a woman? She, you talked her into marrying you? That was something, wasn't it? She was young and dumb. I'd have never got married had I not got married at 19. Because women after 19 are too smart. They'd never marry me. My wife was out of her mind with love. And you get her, you get her, you get her drugged up and stupid, and she, I'll do, okay, great, great. But once they say she's committed. Now I, I tell you, Kathy knows this to be true. I keep trying to win you. Would you get up here and tell them that? They think I'm a hypocrite right now. About 90% of these people, like, yeah, right, preacher. No, it's the truth. I want to keep winning when I've won. And with God, what's different? I want to win when I've won. I, I, want, to, I want to please him. I want to be pleasing in his sight. I want to keep seeking him. Now, when you get old, some of you people don't know this, but when you get old, you lose your energy. Your, your, your testosterone of men goes down. Your women, your estrogen goes down. And, and your energy level consequently goes down. Your muscle mass goes down. You say, Brother, Brother Bill, why is my stomach getting bigger? I can't answer that. <laughs> but I'm telling you, it, it is, it, the energy to seek God is not in your body. We're not talking about body energy. We're talking about your spirit. With my spirit, I want to seek God. I want to keep winning what I've won. This principle was used in Israel when they rejected the light and privilege they had been given. Listen to what it says. Romans 11. For I would not, brethren, that ye should be ignorant of this mystery, lest ye should be wise in your own conceits, that blindness in part has happened to Israel until the fullness of the Gentiles become, become in. The same thing happened to the Gentiles who turned away. Ephesians chapter 4, verse 18, 19. Having their understanding darkened, being alienated from the life of God through the ignorance that is in them because of the blindness of their heart, who being past feeling have given themselves over to lasciviousness, that's all kinds of evil, to work on cleanness, that's all kinds of sexual evil, with greediness. What's the job of Satan? Second Corinthians 4, 4 says, Whom the God of this world hath blinded the minds that believe not. One of the jobs of, of Satan himself is to try to keep you from listening or hearing the gospel because it is the power of God under salvation. And if you will just allow yourself to hear the gospel or set in preaching services that preaches the Bible, I'm telling you, you're going to get saved. 
Because by coming, you're saying, God, I want more of you. And he says, well, you'll come and listen to the preaching. I'll give you more. I'll open some more of your understanding. You say, I don't want to go to church. I don't want to hear the Bible. I don't want to hear it. I don't want to see it. I don't want it. Your understanding is darkened further, and you're eventually, if you keep on that path, your heart is caused to be reprobate. Why do God's people, why do people, not God's people, reject God's way of salvation? Romans 10, 3 and 4. For they being ignorant of God's righteousness and going about to establish their own righteousness have not submitted themselves under the righteousness of God. For Christ is the end of the law for righteousness to everyone that believeth. So to be saved, you must admit you're wrong. That you're not just wrong, you're dead wrong. You're real wrong. You're lost wrong. You're evil wrong. Secondly, you must humble yourself to God in simple repentance and faith in the Lord Jesus Christ, believing that he gave his son, that he died, was buried, and the third day actually physically, visibly resurrected from the dead. In that process, it says in 2 Corinthians chapter 7 that the godly sorrow comes upon you through the Holy Spirit. And godly sorrow worketh repentance unto salvation. And God begins to, you wanted to know God, he'll show himself to you, he'll reveal his son to you, he'll, he'll show you clearly that Christ is the one, and he died for you, and he is the Savior. A lot of times people will come to Christians and say, why do you believe? They can't even really quite explain it. Because it's spiritual. It's inside. It's God talking to you and revealing this is the truth. Out of all the explanations of life and eternity, this is the truth. How many times people have been sitting under the preaching of the Bible and the Holy Spirit's come by and said, what he's saying is right. The Bible is the word of God. This is the way. Jesus is the Christ. Believe, repent. And God, I know that happens because it says it's not, the, it's not God's will that any should perish. I know that happens because in John chapter 1 it says, he's the light that lighteth every man that cometh into the world. God, the Holy Spirit, wants you to be saved more than I want you to be saved. And I want you to be saved. I want you to seek him. And I want you to find him, and you will, if you'll seek him. Father, help us this morning. May the Holy Spirit explain this better than I could. I know that you use these earthen vessels, these stammering lips, as it were, to preach a eternal, perfect word. Father, we pray that some people today may be saved. Uh, whether here or through the internet or wherever this goes, if you're listening to me at this moment and the Holy Spirit is confirming to you that this is truth, will you believe? The Bible says in John 1.12, as many as received him, to them gave you power to become the children of God, the sons of God. Will you believe? If you'll believe, Jesus will come and he'll help you. The Holy Spirit will give you the wisdom and understanding of what the thing called the gospel is about. Father, we pray that you'd come at this moment and do your work.
that you've done since Jesus. We pray that there could be some saved here even this morning. Some Christians this morning, they've gotten cold. Start counting it a duty to go to church rather than a privilege. Started saying I have to rather than I get to. May you refresh them. May they shake themselves and renew their commitment to seek you with all their heart. In Jesus' name, amen. If you would like to know more about the Lord Jesus Christ, you may contact us at the church website, gospelbaptistchurch.com, or you can go to Facebook and type in Gospel Baptist Church Bonita Springs, Florida. Also, you could call the church office at 239-947-1285. Thank you, and God bless.